Hello, everyone. Hopefully you're having and or had a wonderful day today. If you're new here, my name is Drew Joyner. I host Beyond the Garment with me, Drew Joyner. It's kind of redundant, but it's the name of the podcast. It's the title of the podcast. It's Beyond the Garment with Drew Joyner. Okay, enough rambling. Today's guest is going to be Nick Sissombath. We're continuing the guest interview series, and Nick is a good friend of mine. I've known him for a decent amount of time now. I met him in New York at his pop-up. Um, he runs and founded the brand Collegium, and learning and hearing about his story is amazing. There was a point in this episode where Nick just talks for 20 minutes straight about his journey, and I didn't have to say anything but, mm-hmm, yeah, mm-hmm, yeah, and, and listening to it, I was getting chills because I don't know. He lives with such purpose and passion for what he's doing, and he's a huge inspiration for me, and hopefully he's a huge inspiration for you. Um, If this is your first time listening, like I said before, welcome. If you've listened before, make sure to give us a five-star review on Apple or Spotify. And without further ado, let's get into the episode. There are very few people in the midst of building a sneaker empire. Nick Sissenbath is one of those people, but I, I don't want to just pigeonhole you to sneakers because I know that you have other projects, other things that you're working on, but I, I want to give you that moniker, building that sneaker empire. Nick, I consider you to be a close friend of mine, man. How how are you doing today? Yo, man, where to start? I know we just had some small chat and I appreciate the dope intro you know, definitely not accustomed to those. Um, you know, it's nice. It's definitely nice coming from a friend. And as we just spoke, you know, life's good. Uh, business is there. We're thriving. It's beautiful. It's quite always beautiful in the humblest way in California. Uh, and um, yeah, man, just trying to start off the year wrong. Uh, right? Not wrong. <laughs> right. Uh, trying to start off the year right. Um, and it's been good so far, man. I'm just really enjoying the process. It's funny. I'm on like year six or seven on this project and it doesn't, it, it, it always, I take a deep sigh after that because it never feels like that. It's like, okay, here we go again, back to the drawing board and just love the process. You know, we just had that small chat and it's about process, that process. hundred percent, a hundred percent. And you know, the thing that's I resonate so much, bro. Cause like for me, I'm realizing like this year for me is year three of stepping out of my comfort zone, starting to make content, starting to become Drew Joyner. And like, it's like, what is three years? Like how, like it, it, it feels like it's just yesterday. It goes like um, that. It goes so fast. And, and that's just kind of like, you know, life in general a little bit. Like even when I was, you know, we, 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 we play basketball and, you know, we're hoping so you and, play and enjoy basketball. the game. You really played basketball. <laughs> I hate to interrupt you, but I want to let people know. See, Drew played D1. Nick played varsity high school and wasn't good enough for the lowest league. So there's a difference, bro. <laughs> it just goes by fast. That's all I'm trying to say, man. It yeah. just goes by fast. Um, And so having you here, these moments, like, I hope in three years' time, you know, we can look back at this conversation too and just be like, damn, that, that, that's crazy. Um, so, but starting off, man, you know, I've talked to you before. I've known you for a little bit here. We were at your pop-up in New York, Lauren and I, and like I said, I consider you to be a friend, but like, let's dial it back. Tell me, you know, let's start from 
young Nick, you know, wh- where are you from and how was it like for you growing up as a kid, man? Yeah, man. Um, man, it's like always interesting and so reflective, like doing these podcasts, it's, uh, it's always like a great feeling for me just cause you get to reflect where, you know, where you've gone literally from the little eggs. So, uh, I guess I'm born and raised. It's always a fun one. Uh, born and raised in Albuquerque, New Mexico. <laughs> and that's a weird one because no one ever is like, where the heck is that? You know, um, I didn't even know that. <laughs> and I'll, I'll keep that story short. Basically just being a first generation Asian American, my parents immigrated here through the Vietnam war, through a program through UNICEF and they didn't speak wow. or write English. So, uh, when getting sponsored by UNICEF, they just saw cities and names written down on a pamphlet. There was California, there was New Mexico, Albuquerque, there was Belgium, and just not mm. speaking English or being able to read or write, they were like, let's try this one. And uh, <laughs> for a lot of you guys wow. that don't know, Albuquerque is not the most busting place in the U.S. <laughs> uh, still, we just visited like two years ago and you know, it looks pretty similar. Uh, amazing place. I mean, yeah. obviously, it's got the hot air balloons and it's uh, interesting things. Um, yeah. But somewhere down the line, uh, when I was five or six, they uh, made their way to California just for opportunity for their kids and, um, you know, a brighter future, I guess you could say. And uh, wow. really grew up in Southern California, the LA OC kind of track. And um, yeah, it's been great. You know, parents, you know, we didn't come for much. much. Uh, grew up in a household where uh, my dad, my uncles, and my aunts, we all lived in a single family household. So it'd be wow. like one family, like four or five people in one room. Uh, and yeah. eventually just watch my parents work hard and grow out of that. And um, just instill with us like a lot of love, not a lot of money, but a lot of love, which is uh, worth wow. more. That's crazy. That's a crazy beginning story here in the States for your family and for you. Like, do you have you talked to your family? like extensively about that and um yeah like i mean it, that's such an interesting perspective because i've talked to a ton of people who are immigrants who come from different parts of east asia come from you know parts of africa come from europe whatever it may be and like the immigrant experience while it is this kind of like collective experience in a lot of ways because you know immigrants they tend to work hard and they tend to want their kids to you know be established or create an established kind of system in the u.s and all these kind of things um, for me, like I grew up, like I was born and raised in the U S and like as an African American, it's a, it's a different background, you know what I'm saying? So yeah. like, I always find it so fascinating talking to people who are, who have parents who are first generation or if they're second generation immigrants or whatever it may be, like what kind of conversations around that have you had? If you've had any, ah, oh, it's so funny. I mean, not funny, but it's interesting. Cause as I get older is when I start asking, like growing up, you never ask, you just like, Oh, I'm here. And my parents are so strict, like, you know, it's the typical Asian American kind of thing, like a B is not good enough, academics is everything, engineer, doctor, you know, those stereotypes. And and they're true. I mean, my family was the same way. And you don't understand why. Um, but as you get older, you understand, like, yo, the stories they tell me about escaping from where they came from to get here are so mm-hmm. surreal. Like, even within the last two years, just asking my parents, as I have more time, as I get older, you know, as you get yeah. older, you want to spend more time with your parents. And now you have more of a, it's the, like any relationship, whether it be with your loved ones or your friends, like it just grows and the conversations mm-hmm. grow. So now mm-hmm. my conversations is just me being able to stand on my own too. It's like, it's not about like, 
what I want for Christmas or something like that. You know what I mean? It's yeah, like, thanks, or thanks. what college I want to go to. It's like, how did you guys get here? You know? And it took me 20 X years to be like, how did you guys get here? Like, what's the real story? Like, I know we're here, obviously. Um, and those stories can be safe for another time because they're gnarly. But um, <laughs> yeah, just struggles of like high level, like, okay, bombs going off, crossing a river, swimming across a river, paying some smuggler to get you to a democratic country and then ending up over here. And you're like, that's not real. Like, but then the, the memories for them are so vivid. So it's like, how do you make Crazy. up these intricate stories? You know? So you like, you know, it's real. Cause you're like, okay, well you don't just make up this river and this jungle and an event that happened uh, during that trip, like a vivid memory. Yeah. And um, Crazy. yeah, it's just growing up with that. And knowing like they did that so that you could just have an established life or a better life than what they had. And um, now it's more meaningful than it was as a kid. As a kid, you're just like, dude, I got to be plus like that's more than good enough. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's fine. Uh, it's fine. Yeah. I'm going to be okay. Yeah. And it kind of makes yeah. a little bit more sense now um, and makes you appreciate that work. And, you know, I always, I always think about it whenever, you know, I feel like whether it be giving up um, or whatever it may be, you know, when you're going through struggles, like, yo, my situation's not even close to what they went through. You know what I mean? Um, mm, mm. So, yeah, man. Um, It'll humble you real quick, man. It'll humble you real quick in terms of, you know, you're thinking about the problems that you're going through and then you're like, wait, mom and dad had to do that? My, my, my great uncle had to do that? Like, um, it's just something that, you know, a lot of times there's a lot of talk and whether it be online or in the media about generations kind of competing, whether it be like millennials or Gen Z or Gen X or Gen Alpha, like the different perspectives of everyone. But I think that if, as someone who's 25 myself and, you know, I have I have uh, family members who are younger and family members who are older, obviously, and, you know, you can take a lot away from just the the lived experiences of your family, what they've been through and like the the struggles that as a person living in 2023 you just you don't even think about cuz it's like information's at your fingertips we got we're talking about chat gbt we're talking about you know being able to get food whatever at at any moment in time uber eats or whatever it may be but like it's the same for me man like just hearing the stories you know my family they they grew up in parts of the south of louisiana and and you know remnants of Jim Crow South and remnants of racism. And, and like, for me, while I know some some atrocities still exist today, of course, um, a majority of people live a, a life that's just more pleasant than the, the previous generation. And so it, it's a it's a motivator, but it's also like a humbling, like wake wake up experience, right? Because like, no, for sure, people, for sure. People have been through some shit. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And it's funny how there's one thing, I, there was obviously a lot of big topics in there, but I just uh, was, you said something that uh, resonated, not resonated, just like it was an interesting fact where it blew my mind. It was like, it was called Chat G, GBT, where it's like, yeah, bro. It's AI, right? Like you could have a conversation online. It's crazy. Is it right real? Now. Like, do you just hop in a chat GBT and like you could ask questions? Like, so, how, do, how do I make a YouTube video? And then all of a sudden it just like tells you how to do it in human response. Yeah, exactly. You can, I mean, essentially you can ask it anything. I haven't, I haven't done it before. So this is a, a preface. Like, if you're listening, I'm not like an expert, but I did a little bit of research yesterday. Funny enough. Um, so like, yeah, it's, it's AI. You can essentially ask it anything like a search engine and um, it like aggregates it you, everything. 
aggregates everything and gives you a written response. You can ask it to solve a problem. You can ask it to write an essay. You can ask it to write an article. You can ask it to explain how to make a YouTube video. And with granular detail and with accuracy, it'll give you the response. Like, obviously, there's a difference between like Googling, how do I make a YouTube channel? Like, it'll yeah, give yeah. you WikiHow, four steps, whatever, right? This will this will give you a bit more, I guess, quote unquote, personality to its response in terms of like, oh, this is how M Mr. Beast or Ray Mia or Drew Joyner did it. And, and like it'll give you examples of like what they did at maybe the two minute mark versus the four minute mark, things like that. Right. You can continue to have that conversation. So, yeah, bro, it's a crazy thing right now, for sure. It's so sure, sick. Sure. I was listening to I forget what podcast, but they had dropped that. And I was like, what the hell is chat gbt and then they would explain the ai and i'm like is this real today or is this a concept that's actually like you know like we're 10 years out from and then they're like no it's like real today and that was like super interesting i'm over here just making shoes in old italy i'm just making shoes in old italy bro people out there <laughs> making ai so bro it's about to be crazy it's about to be crazy no, I, sure. I guarantee collegiums on chat gbt in some capacity like i guarantee if you asked it about it it would be like it's made in this part of Italy, um, whatever, blah, 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 Nick system bath, like whatever. <laughs> that's insane, bro. That's so insane, um, man. Yeah. Um, shoot, that's awesome, man. But that's definitely, you know, I think just to go back, it's like, man, we're talking about early 1900s or mid 1900s or our parents' era. And just like now we're now we're here where ChatGPT exists. So it's, cool. it's crazy. Yeah. It's gonna go. It's gonna go even further too. But anyways, yeah, going back, going back to young Nick. So you moved from Albuquerque to Southern California around age five, and then you kind of had that Southern California, Orange County lifestyle or life or whatever it is. Like you had the immigrant lifestyle as well. Um, yeah. Kind of. Let's talk about like sneakers because I feel like that is the bedrock of collegium. And like for you, like as a, as a kid, as a person who likes fashion, who likes sneakers, what were some of the early sneakers that you were into? You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I mean, uh, the story always goes, and the way I really think back, and if I were to pinpoint it, was just playing ball. Not like your level, but playing ball as a kid. So my parents my parents just uh, were working a lot, and um, I would spend time with like either neighbors or um, friends, parents. And then uh, one of my friends had got me into playing basketball, and my parents were like, well, we needed him to be in an after-school program because we work graveyard, we work long shifts. And so they enrolled me into a basketball program out here. It's like NJB or travel ball. Um, also, I played like another church league as well. Um, and that's actually where shoes, <laughs> I fell in love with shoes. And, you know, as you get into it, just like you, I'm sure you can have this story. It's like, that's probably maybe what got you into footwear was just like, when you play ball or basketball, you want to have the coolest, like you want to be dripped out while playing ball. Like, it's just like, it's it's a part of the game like it's competitive on the court as well as it's competitive um off the court with like what kicks you wearing to you know to ball out on somebody so that's where it really drove it for me and i remember getting my first pair most of the time when i really started getting into it like <clears throat> when my parents could see i really liked the sport um they took me in the back of footlocker finish line you know where the, all the on sale stuff is uh because i was just rocking like whatever my, my parents like oh we don't know if he's gonna stay with it just get him some like payless airwalks for a minute you know we can't we can't afford something nice yet and then um one of my uncles uh during chinese new year where it's traditionally uh you get you know some money the kids get some tech money 
and uh, it took me to Foot Locker and I got uh, some Answer Eights Iverson just because growing up for me, I think I'm like two, three years older than you. Iverson was like, he was it. The crossover, the style, just like so, so pinnacle and pioneering, just like basketball. I had everything. I had, oh, I had the Answer Eights, obviously, or Answer Sevens. I forgot which one it was. I had the finger sleeves with the three on them. Uh, you know, <laughs> you had to have the armbands, everything. And that just evolved. Like I started loving basketball, but also like going to stool playing basketball. And I wouldn't want regular shoes. I'd want basketball shoes to rock going to school. And just like, you know, you start learning as a kid coming up in the dot-com era, I guess you could say, and just like Googling, starting to Google, starting to figure out like, oh, those are sick. These are sick, you know, finding websites. And I guess getting into it was just as early as six, you know, as early as six, just playing basketball. And it later evolved into, yo, I really love shoes, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. Yep. 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 Yeah, man. No. Yeah. A hundred percent. I think in it, I also, I mean, you know, you're not that much older than me. So I also, you know, as a kid, as a, as a young basketball player, like Allen Iverson was everything. Like, it was just everything to like you're you're a kid you're not that tall ai wasn't that tall he's a regular he's a yeah. regular you know he's not like a giant he's not lebron james or yao ming or tracy mcgrady at the time those are some other players who were big like he's not a freak of nature he's this maybe you know six foot guy i know, bet he's got he's, the swagger about him i bet he's not yeah. even six foot in person no he's probably five foot ten and a half yeah. honestly honestly Five foot ten and a half, just killing dudes on the court, and had this whole demeanor and swagger about him. I remember I had the sleeves too, like I had <laughs> double double sleeves, because he came to Denver for a little bit too. You're right? right. So he like was in, he was on the Nuggets. He, he was on the Nuggets, so I was like Carmelo and AI. Like I wanted cornrows, like I wanted everything. That, I never had cornrows, but I always wanted. It. My, my mom never, my mom never let me. <laughs> um, so that makes a lot of sense, man. Like, in in, this is something that I feel like more people are waking up to if you played a sport growing up you know your sport whatever sport it was tennis soccer boxing uh whatever chess it has an aesthetic to it right like the the heroes of that sport embody this kind of look and feel to the sport that you know they that it takes on a life of its own right and it, be, and it can kind of evolve into something else over time so that's that's dope so it started with the, the answers huh <laughs> yeah, yeah it started with the answers it's funny enough yeah. i know like a lot of people would say and that's just the honest truth you know if i wanted to just be like oh it was the jordan blah, blah, you know what i mean it's like no like it was the answers for me and like i was there of iverson just like and t-mac t-mac for sure t-mac was crazy and of course kobe but like I think that's the easy answer, you know, Kobe's the easy answer, but I think the people that really like, you know, was just crazy to me was Iverson's because that's the first shoe that I actually got. Uh, later it evolved into so many different things, but um, yeah, man. And, you know, that love for the sport, like you said, evolved into and blossomed into the culture of just like sneakers, like growing up after playing ball and like going through middle school and high school, it'd be like, I would do whatever I could, just not growing up with money. I'd be like, oh, I'm going to go work at the cafeteria. I'm going to do this. Or my mom would give me like 20 bucks for two weeks worth of lunch and I wouldn't eat. I would just like starve myself. I would just starve myself or volunteer at the cafeteria to get the free food and then, you know, save the 20 bucks every single time. So my mom was like, where'd you get that money? I was like, oh, I just been working at school uh, and uh, buy shoes like that. You know, my first job was at Finish Line in Foot Locker. 
um, I was 15 and a half. I was like, mom, I need you to sign this worker's permit. Uh, I lived right behind a mall or my school was right behind a mall. So walk over the hill and, uh, Anderson shout out Anderson Fung who later worked at Collegium. Um, but, uh, I walked in that finish line. I was like, yo, name any shoe on this wall. I promise I'll know the shoe. Like, why do you want to work here? I was like, I just love shoes, man. And I want to buy shoes. And, um, I was just like, he pointed out Air Max 90s infrareds. And I was like, infrared Air Max 90s, name another shoe. And you know what I mean? It's, <laughs> it's like, all right, all right, you got the job. And then I would work there part-time. I'd play basketball after school and then work a closing shift at finish line. And I was a sneaker plug, you know? And back in the day, it was cool to be the sneaker plug. Like, I work at the sneaker shop. I get you the Jordan 11s on Christmas, whatever it may be. <laughs> it's just always shoes, man. Always shoes. For shoes sure. And, and that's... And that's the, you know, I have this question here talking about what do you think the difference is between now and uh, versus back then? And I think like you're what you're illustrating is the love of the game, right? Like, you, like not basketball, but the love of like, you know, you really appreciate sneakers, right? You, you, you grew up and you developed this passion for them. And then you saw opportunities to work at Foot Locker, to work at the finish lines of the world. And, and be in spaces where sneakers were and you could talk about these things and they meant more than just the leather or the suede or the pleather on the actual footwear. It just meant so much more to you. And so, like, and, and I think that's so special about what, you know, the quote-unquote, like, younger, older generation has versus today um, where everything is so, the information is so abundant and there's so much there's so much more that goes into picking up a particular pair of Nike Dunks in 2023 versus what it was like, you know, in the in the 2000s or, you know, um, even before then. Right. And so for me, I guess the the question which I'll spit back at you is, bro, is like, do you do you feel that there's a difference um, from a sneaker culture standpoint? Obviously, taking Collegium out of the question or out of the equation from a from a fan of sneaker standpoint do you feel like there's a difference in terms of like the way the community feels today versus the way it felt when you were coming up and especially in california too yeah i think like i mean i've, I've talked about this on a couple different interviews but um yeah i mean it's a thousand percent thousand and twenty percent uh different and not i don't want to say it's n neither positive or negative because i think it just it pushes the community it just it's just gonna the community evolve just like anything and um for me the be the i guess the the old head or the guy that won't let go of the cast of the past it's just i i really appreciate when you say community i like to say community sneaker community over you know you know anything else it's like the community is what mattered most so before let's just take high level it was working at a sneaker shop and knowing somebody at a sneaker shop like yo i could get you these shoes and it's like, okay, cool. I got the plug at Foot Locker. Then raffles started coming out and violence started coming out, right? Like I remember working, I remember vibrantly working at, or like vividly working at Finish Sign. And we were like, yo, we have to plan on the 23rd or whenever the 11s are coming out because there will be a fight. And then it evolved into raffles and then it evolved into all those things. The culture was as simple as I used to be on these forums called Nike Talk. It's like old forums, uh, forum, you know, forum chats. Now there's like Facebook Marketplace, thing like that. But Nike Talk, ISS, Windy 4714, you know, <laughs> uh, that was my, that was my handle. It was actually like a friend of a friend's and we just shared it because you had it like, you know, you had to be like 18 or older or whatever. 
that's where I would study shoes. And like, you would just make friends across the world and every, no shoe was really like, there was no stock X. There was no finance. Like the most expensive grail you could probably buy was like 500 to a thousand dollars. Now there's $30,000, $50,000, And back then, yeah, it was just like, it was more, it was more based on the shoe and the stories it told. And then the community you met, it was just, it was a more realistic, it was a friendship and a, community like i have friends in japan that used to like just proxy for me and we would share our love about shoes and that's super important like sharing our passions is super important and i'll later elaborate on that but now it's like it's so it's such a binary equation like how much does this cost let me get that buy sell trade. yeah that's like it's like yeah. that's it there's no like yo i'm your homie like everyone's trying to one-up somebody whether it's about flex finance or you know the cost value opportunity cost and that's what we've lost touch with. Um, yeah, I could go on for hours about this topic, but uh, it's evolved from being a more personal shared passion to a financial and, uh, you know, monster of a beast that it is. I think the sneaker right. market. It's a, it, it almost has moved closer to this kind of, not everything, but corporate um like just machine type of feeling you know what i'm saying and i think that with a lot of i mean there's a lot of sneaker releases in a year right and obviously you can tell when particular brands or companies are you know stretching just to capitalize on this kind of like excitement that's bubbling up or something of the sort right um, for sure for and sure. so it's a uh, it's just an interesting space that we're in right now i I know you're a big community guy, um, and so I can't wait to talk about that too. Because I, one of the things that stood out to me when we went to the pop up is that, you know, you, of all the founders I've talked to and, and met, like there's a there's a small group that I think stand above the rest, and you're one of those people that, uh, truly does what they do for the love. Like you, just, you could just feel for the love, right? For the love of the community for the love of the game for the love of you know every part of the process and just everything that's involved in, in meeting your team and meeting the people that you work with it, it's really really tangible um but like even peeling back the layer again like maybe there's someone who's listening to this who's like yo what is collegium like I'm, I'm looking on instagram right now like it seems pretty cool how do you describe to like someone who's uninitiated what collegium is yeah um, and I think this goes back to what I was saying, like it's super important and it's about that passion and that shared love. So for me and sneakers, since I didn't have a lot of money growing up and I would just hustle to get shoes, it was less about the shoes that I fell in love with, but I think it was really about the community and a sense of belonging, like just growing up and finding identity where it was like, oh, I associate myself with people that also like shoes and that like they like if you know you know type vibe and i love that like kind of like community that was built what i grew up and just having friends from you know the early eras of digital and just like yeah like i know i have a friend out in new york i have a friend out in japan i have a friend out there and so when i started the brand i really wanted to have this community aspect um you know inspiring you know as I was collecting, Kith was probably just popping off and Kith and Kin and family. So that concept really like ingrained in my head. And I was like, I want my own type of family when I start my own brand. Like it's less about what we sell and running a business or making money. It's about like, yo, can I successfully build a family or a brand that people could be like, yo, like this is a community. I share the same values and likes and things. So 
you know, just me being uh, studious, I was like, okay, what's some synonyms for family or community? And collegium popped up. I started deep diving on collegium. I was like, that sounds cool. You know, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna make it uh, rocket science. It was just like, yo, that sounds cool because I could barely read it. A lot of people read it as collegium and collegium. You know what I mean? It's just collegium. Um, and you know, you could sound the, you know, the its roots go back to like what modern day college is. But like when I searched up the definition on Wikipedia, was the first thing that popped up. It was like along the lines of in ancient Rome, which already caught me because I love like history. It was like in ancient Rome, collegium was a society of or a collective of three or more that could have been politicians, academics, uh, grave robbers, artists. It was just like anything three or more. So a group that was passionate about a certain thing. So I kind of, you know, paraphrased it and gave it a hybrid definition. I was like, okay, well, my collegium is people passionate about product. Uh, and, you know, more specifically footwear, because that's what we started off with, because that's what I was super passionate about. And I was like, the family I want to be is just people that like, it's that, oh, I love nice things and I love the attention to detail because when I was collecting, it was like lace bags. It was color options laces. It was just little touches of suede, just like storytelling. Oh, the insoles have these little bears on the inside because this is inspired by three bears, fat, you know, things like that. And that's like something I wanted to be like, oh, if you are that type of person of product and you don't just buy stuff because whoever's wearing it, like that's the people I wanted to tell the stories to. And um, yeah, I guess that's what collegium is uh, by definition, right? And by, I guess, product group, me just talking on this podcast, I just love footwear, um, always loved footwear. And we started off with footwear. So we predominantly sell footwear. And as Drew had explained earlier, we started expanding into, it's more of a design theory now, right? It's a design language that collegium has. And for me, simple guy. Trucker jacket, white t-shirt, 874 Dickies. Okay, yeah. You know, blank t-shirts. Yeah, simple. So I always like, for me, I don't know if I call my, I guess nowadays I want to stand tall and confident. Like I'm a designer, but my design language is very timeless. Like for me, it's like, I want to, I want to reimagine my rotation, whether it be clothes or footwear, uh, my rotation of footwear or clothing on how I see like, yo, I would just do it this way and tweak these things. I want to up the materials i want to add this little detail touch there's a story to be told in those little things and you know if you're that same person you have a passion for those little upgrades collision might be for you and um you know that's 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 pretty much it if you haven't heard of collision that's the, that's the that's the intro that's the elevator pitch spiel and i think i can even attest to just having collegium products in my wardrobe and using them every single week like it's one of the things that I love. You talked about having extra laces and like having options. Like I probably have 15 pairs of laces from the collegium boxes that I have now because the man is, is, is true to his word. Like every sneaker lover, every person who enjoys kind of that, that, that community as part of the sneaker community. When you get an extra pair of laces, whether it be, <clears throat> excuse me, whether it be a collaborated item of footwear or non, like it just, there's something special about it. And so like, to provide that is 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 impeccable and then we, i mean we haven't even talked about i mean you alluded to a little bit but like the quality of materials and then like the presentation the visuals the videography everything that's involved with collegium is done at such a like just 
a beautiful level in terms of like, you know, Nick is saying we want to talk to people who care about these things. I'm definitely one of those people who care about these things, right? Like it's just, it's just a brand that I've been rocking with for some time now because of those details that he's mentioned. Um, and you know, I, I actually scroll all the way down to like the first images, like on, on your Instagram, on the collegium Instagram and, and, you know, looked at, you know, where was the starting point? And it's, it's always so fascinating when a brand or an individual keeps those early images up because to see you know the the beginning sprouts the beginning seed of a brand transform to where it is now it's unbelievable and um you know to continue on that thought like you know i started paying attention to collegium in 2020 you know when the pandemic hit um i was you know, looking to support businesses that weren't just the big boys, right? And I've, I've always kind of been like that, right? And so when I saw the Pillar Destroyer high tops, you know, I was like, damn, these are these are crazy. Um, but like before those, I, I feel like the, that's, that's an important model in your lineage. And we can kind of talk about other things too. But like before we get to the, like some of the bigger models that helped propel Collegium to where it is now, like in the beginning, what was it like? you know, being a, a business owner? Because I feel like this is what will resonate with a lot of young and old people who want to start on their journey. What was it like for you in the beginning, like creating footwear, finding out about factories and working with people and getting things done? Like I, that's, everyone's like, how do I start, right? And, and where did you start? <laughs> yeah, there's like 130 DMs about how do I start? And I'm sure you get the same thing. And it's just, the simplest answer is just start and go through your journey because it's the years and hours and time and blood, sweat and tears that get dedicated to It's like, yo, I didn't know a single thing. I was literally exactly where you're at. And I love that you're like, yo, I scrolled all the way down because in that all the way down on my personal is this actual room where I just it was a stock room. It was where I would sell shoes in my trunk in here. Like people would come like, yo, can I pick these up? And I'm like, yeah here's my home address (laughs) come into this shop and now the sneaker wall is just like full of i mean it's that's full of collision but there's more sneakers up top um but yeah man hold on one sec let me reposition this and um yeah i guess where did it start before the destroyer so a lot of people don't know like i've been running this brand for a long time and it doesn't happen overnight like everyone thinks like even when you say 2020 i'm like bro it was a lot of just like banging my head against the table and a wall for I four can imagine years, for four years before that. So like, oh, the story is so long. I'm just trying to take highlights. So you know, no, I understand. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And it's like the biggest highlight. It's like okay, so I'm, I love sneakers. I work at Foot Locker Finish Line. I was a part of a when Instagram was like, you know, these organic things and really in its prime, like 2014, 2015, a part of a group called Team Roshi with the Nike Roshi run. And we were debuting where it dropped and things like that, got the page to half million followers and just love for sneakers. That was what I wrote my college uh, application about was Team Roshi and reselling sneakers at dunk exchanges. I got rejected for every college actually, probably because of that personal statement. But later, fast forward, (laughs) got into USC, still writing about just sneaker marketing and how Team Roshi exposed me to that. So shout out Team Roshi, all those guys, Jay Silva, Sean Go. Uh, Sean Go's actually on YouTube. Um, Shout out Sean Go. I I love his videos. I've been watching his videos for a long time. Yeah, me and Sean go way back to Team Roshi days where we met on Nike Talk Forum. So like this story is not a made up story that I'm telling you guys. So you can ask Sean 
Ashan, uh, met him out here in California, went to visit him in Toronto, sneaker friends that became real life friends. And obviously I started my brand and he's been a great advocate of it. Um, but uh, yeah, and so I went to school for biz admin, finance and accounting at USC, uh, Leventhal and uh, Marshall. And uh, come to find after graduating, just probably like yourself, wanted to do something besides wearing a monkey suit and chasing brown nosing these job fairs to get a job uh and i was like look i love shoes man my notebook's filled with just sketches and hardly less notes more sketches and i was interning at pacific shoe company which is like a dress shoe brand because when i was working at nordstrom back in the day they used to make you wear uh suits all the time and I was really getting into dapper stuff, which it's funny enough, everything feels cyclical. Everyone's wearing boots right now. Everyone's wearing uh, penny loafers, boots, anything that's like they're mixing up. So I went through the evolution of like collecting Jordan 1s, Yeezys, things like that. And I started working at Nordstrom, started mixing things up like, yo, like I want to be a little bit more dapper. I want to have like these touches. And that's where you'll see a lot of where we do silhouettes now and have always our penny loafers, our boots, our mock toe derby that's coming out. And uh, we just do stuff like that. So when I was graduating college, I just wanted to take a jump. I sold my sneaker collection, uh, came out with like 20, 30 grand, had just like Yeezys to 01 Jordan dead stock and asked a contact of mine when I was working through Nordstrom. So for those of you that are listening, this is how I went about doing it. And when you ask me, I'll tell you, you got to go through your journey and just figure it out. So my journey was, I knew I needed, wanted to be, I loved shoes. So I was like, I'm going to be on the Nordstrom men's shoes floor because that's going to, that's one step higher than Foot Locker. I'm not selling sneakers anymore. I'm selling dress shoes, Ferragamos, Valley, uh, you know, anything up there, Prada, Dior, I'm selling all that stuff. And during that time, vendors would come through. Vendors, what I mean by vendors, like people that like brand reps that sell their brand there, just like how I'm a brand representative of Collegium. And uh, I met a gentleman, Andrew Ackerman and Andrew uh, Antonio Sanchez, who's working for Meslon, a dress shoe company. So just help out, hang out, always ask them questions when they're there. Why did you choose this leather? Why is a common project $500? Is it really worth that? Yes or no? You know, things like that. Like, what is this? Oh, anything. And then I found out their office was near my house. So I was like, can I intern? They're like, no. And I'm like, okay, cool. I'll see you there at five. You know, and I would just hang around, show up at the office because it was like two blocks from my house and on the way to USC. So I'd go after school and just like, I'll shoot product photos for you. Let me shoot product photos if I could just bug you and ask you questions. And that's a lot of people forget, like, that's part of the work that, you know, that free labor and that hustle of just being annoying and, un, you know, unshy to tackle that that you know that process and you know i put two years in that time just working at nordstrom keeping that relationship going to that office and then eventually when i wanted to start my sneaker brand i was like okay i know i have one contact let me just ask and say hey i want to start a sneaker brand i don't need your help i got these shit sketches in my notebook and can you just give me a contact and i'll do everything else on my own i didn't want to be a hassle i didn't want to rely i just like yo i just i've been putting in work i just need one favor cool that's your start that's your big break Got the contact in Italy, uh, sold the sneaker collection, scraped up money. I knew I was going to have to buy a bulk of shoes. We're like now in 2016. I take a one-way ticket to Italy. I've never been out of the country. And I'm so silly that I don't even know that people in Europe 
because I grew up in California, I'm not used to public transportation at all. So <laughs> all my, the Europeans are like, oh my God. <laughs> I mean, people in New York are probably like, what an idiot. I, was, I haven't even been in New yeah, York. Yeah, exactly. And yeah, in Europe, the train is a thing, which I didn't even find out till like two years ago. So I rented a Fiat 500. So if you're familiar with that car, it's a super tiny car, uh, a super, super tiny car. Uh, have my luggage and everything. I land in Rome. Uh, funny stories. Like they actually upgraded me into this huge van. And in Europe, I got scammed basically. I couldn't even get out of the roundabout thing because it was too big. So I went back in. They gave me the Fiat. And um, I have no money really at the time. Sold the sneaker collection. I'm trying to save all that money for the production I have to buy. So I don't even buy an international plan for my phone. I'm like old school Google Maps printed and trying to get figure it out. And it's a four-hour drive. So it's like driving to Arizona for me. I get lost. I missed the whole first day of the meeting. I can't figure it out. And I'm just knocking on doors like, hey, I'm trying to go here. Does anyone know? And everyone's like, oh, I don't speak <laughs> English or whatever it may be. Dang, and that's crazy. Finally, I knocked on this guy's house twice. And he was just kind of, I don't, even, I don't know his name, don't know anyone. It was just like residential neighborhood in Italy. I was close. I, I got close. I knew I was in like the vicinity. But the address, I couldn't find any of the addresses. They're not, like, if you look at any country's different, the address format's totally different. So it's like, I'm trying to go here. He finally grabs the Google Maps. He's, like, basically signaling me, follow me. And I'm, like, 20 minutes off. I get there the same day, but, like, the end of the evening. And then we're like, okay, I know where it is now. I'll meet you guys here tomorrow. And uh, it's just a family business. Um, they make for a lot of different brands. I mean... Gucci Prada Todd's are all made in that city. They, I've seen them do Valentino and um, Todd's. I've seen some other high-end brands. And, you know, they took a random email from me because of a relationship I had with some people that they knew. And I sent them my sketch and like, okay, we need 600. At the time in 2016, all red shoes were hot, red Octobers, uh, all white, all black. The Balenciaga arenas were the top three, which is like this mid-top, super crazy shoe. And I was like, okay, I want to do my common project-esque, minimal Stan Smithy kind of sneaker called the Pillar Low. And I bought 600 of them, 200 in red, 200 in white, 200 in black. And it's a blessing in disguise to enter something so hard, but without much preparation, just like both of us drew, not knowing, okay, I want to do, I want to be a YouTuber. I want to be a brand owner. Okay. I'm not going to look into it because if I start looking into it, it's so unbelievably hard that I just won't start. So you just go for it. So I went for it, bought it, and I'm like, all right, cool. I'll see the shoes in four months, right? Shoes, shoes land. They're at my parents' house in the front yard. I'm like, fuck, I got to put some tarps over it, hide it, protect it, right? And then I'm just, you know, I don't know anything at the time. I'm just like, okay, I got these shoes. It's be easy. Like you just sell shoes. Like I would sell these cookies in a, you know, school fundraising thing or whatever it may be. <laughs> cookie dough, you know, when you're selling cookie doughs. Right? Facts. Yeah. And, yep. um, and I was like, okay, well, I know a lot of people that are into shoes because I'm in the sneaker communities. And so I think I'm just posting on the forums, posting on that. And I have to think about, I, I was not smart in terms of, I didn't think about my sneaker journey. The sneaker journey, what I mean by that is people go from, I like hype sneakers and I like them because it comes with prestige and it comes with cachet and it just, you know, I liked it. But my journey developed and everyone goes through this and I can see even yourself, 
you go from cachet to I want to learn, I want to buy quality, not quantity. And then you go even more expansive. I want to get out of these silhouettes of this Jordan one looking thing, this whatever looking thing. I want to be different. I want to have a wide array of tastes. And so when I launched Clegium, I, I like to forget that people were still maybe just in the beginning of the journey. Nick, why would I pay $300 for your shoes if I could just go get a pair of Gucci's? Why sells a Jordan 1 resale shoe? That's the uphill battle. So I sold a lot to friends and family at a discounted price in the beginning. And, uh, you know, I just I, I have that competitor's mentality, um, just like both of us from playing sports. And so I was like, I'm not going to quit. I'll figure it out one way or another. Instagram was a lot different back then. You could DM some editors from publications and get an article on Nice Kicks, Hype Beast, Complex. When in that area of media, in that era of media, 2017, like that was the pinnacle. Like if you're on Hype Beast, you are the guy. Yeah, you're the guy. And it's 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 flipped a lot since then. Uh, I feel like it's so much more focused on micro things now, and very rooted things grassroots things and um we got our first break on those publications and i was like okay cool one step it's all these baby steps and then the second step was just like i'm at nordstrom and i would just bring shoes in my trunk i'd wear my shoes at the store at, at nordstrom while working on the sales floor and people were like you know at nordstrom it's a very service and uh oriented um shop if you've ever been to nordstrom it's like hey how can i help you what can I, you know, what are you looking for? And, you know, you'd help people try on shoes, yada, 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 footstool, everything, business cards. And people would be like, oh, I'd get them into Golden Goose, Com Projects or whatever. And they're like, what are you wearing though? And, you know, I'd always wear, I would always wear sneakers and a suit because I wanted to push my own shoes. So I would look kind of trendy. Um, and, you know, older guys or younger guys, like, yeah, I want my son to look like you. Or older guys, like, yo, like, you could wear sneakers with a suit. And I'm like, yeah, like you just short break. No, and at the time, no socking was cool. Like, you know, no short break, no sock. Um, and um, yeah, they're like, what are you wearing? I'm like, oh, I'm just, I can't really sell it to you here. It's my own brand. It's just a passion project. And I was like, oh, but I have a lunch in like an hour. You could buy it. I could sell it to you. Technically, I had brought a whole size run in my trunk. I could meet you on my lunch break in the parking structure. And I would move shoes like that. And some of my customers are still the, like, they're like, Nick, I remember when you used to sell me, yeah, to, uh, to sell me shoes, Anthony Rodriguez. He's got like, I don't know, since shoes since 2017, great mentor of mine, owns AutoCAD, owns an AutoCAD company, a CAD company. And I met him through Nordstrom. And um, it's just been a great dude. I introduced me to Andy Raw, another one of our customers. And that was my hustle. So Hey, we still, I'm still barely breaking even, right? So sold my sneaker collection, borrowed like 10, 15 grand for my pops. And I thought it was as simple as like, oh, I'm going to, you buy 600 shoes and you sell a couple, you're going to make money. What I, well, I didn't even think as far as the, uh, yo, you still have to buy the next production of items. You don't just stop with this one thing. I didn't even think that far. So I'm like, oh, I'm in this for the long run because I can't just quit. If I quit, all I'm going to give my dad back is, 600 pairs of shoes or 550 pairs of shoes so now i'm like okay i just got to keep pushing trust the process just keep grinding and you just keep finding answers like you were saying to me earlier like you make one video and the cutting and editing may be asked but you just find you find one thing to make better so in my process it was okay i got a couple publications those publications got me some nba players cool 
the needle really hasn't moved that much. I got more pairs out the door. Great. What do I need to do to become a brand? I'm selling shoes the best way I can. I'm selling them at Nordstrom. Okay, let's add one more process. So now when I have my off days, I'd go to the hot streets in LA, La Brea, Melrose, Beverly Hills. I'd carry shoes in my trunk, have a duffel bag. Yo, this is my story. Uh, you know, I took a one-way ticket to Italy. I loved sneakers growing up, sold my sneaker collection, and I, I made these. And they're made, handmade in Italy. Will you let me leave them at your shop or can you carry them? Started getting into some shops, just local shops down down, you know, down in downtown LA, Arch District, La Brea. Shout out uh, Ricky and Mark and uh, uh, John out there for uh, putting me in one of the stores on La Brea. And that store, I can't say the name of the store, but basically it was another brand store that don't live in the U.S. And I gave them my iPad and we would put my shoes on the shelves and they would just charge my iPad. And I'd Venmo them 40 bucks and we'd do shoes <laughs> like that. And That's crazy. It's like just the American dreams. Like, just like, I hate to say it, like it's so cliche and corny, but it's like, yo, like I just try to figure out any way I could to get shoes somewhere to potentially sell a unit or two. And just constantly being open to taking lunch meetings for whatever random reason, like someone DM me, I don't know who they are. Okay. Let me just say what's up and be a good person and have a great conversation. Like, I think that's like, even my approach with you is like, yo, like just going through, it's like, yo, I don't aim to look at anyone for whatever the pluses or minuses. Like, yo, like at this point, I'm just here to make friends and just have a great time. And who knows where everyone goes, but if the energy is right, that's the time I'm willing to put. That's my time. I'm willing to not sacrifice, invest in people. And it's like, yo, like Drew, we're homies first and foremost. I don't care what you're doing. If the vibes are right. Like even when I got you out to New York, it was like, Drew, just come out and hang out, bro. Like, honestly, we'll talk basketball. We'll just kick it and go to dinners or whatever. And it's, that's like, that's at work. And along that line, I just figured things out one by one. So sold in some stores. Now I'm like, okay, what else can I do? I started doing trade shows. And I don't want to go too deep. I don't know what the timeline of this is, but I'm taking you guys through. So uh, uh, from there, you guys got the pieces. You you made shoes, figured out how to sell them. And now I'm like, okay, what's the next thing? Oh, I see people, they do trade shows. You go to trade shows to sell your shoes. I was like, okay, well, I don't really have that much money. I knew there's, I, I used to go to, I'll do two parts. There's trade shows called Liberty Fair Agenda. These like bigger trade shows where people, convention centers where people sell shoes in the U.S., I have money to buy a boot. So I just would bring my backpack, take a plane ticket, somehow get in the show. Someone would get me into the show. And then I would DM people. For example, Gian DeLeon is the men's editing director at Nordstrom. And uh, I'd be like, hey, like I'm trying to show my shoes. Let's meet up at the coffee thing at the trade show. And then, you know, I'm not telling them what they're doing, but just like, hey, I just want to chat. And then I'm bringing my shoes out of my Nike backpack my Westminster high school Nike backpack is like, yeah, like these are so sick. I think they're so cool. huh? And just get feedback and like, see what opportunities there could be for me. That never really went anywhere, but it was like the practice, 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 and just opening those relationships. And finally, finally in 2018, um, taking you through the real journey, we're going to fast forward soon. Uh, 2018, I'm like, okay, there, I've heard of a trade show called PT Umo in Florence. I don't know if you've heard of that trade show, it's a pretty renowned one. A lot of big brands go. And I was like, okay, I'll just buy the the cheapest booth I can get over there. And it was like 1,800 euros. I flew to Italy. I was like, okay, I'm going to do some production work. I'm going to visit the factory again. 
and I'm going to do PTO on the trade show. I get the table. I got like 30 samples. I literally bought a wire table the size of a computer table and just stacked, sh- stacked shoes on there. They're like, uh, it's not really a great spot, but like for 1800 bucks, this is what you're getting. And I was in front of these dress shirts called Eton dress shirts, a brand called Paul and shark with this guy, Nick Wooster was rocking it at the time. I don't know if you know, Nick Wooster and just like these crazy brands. And these brands were so established. They had a barista, they had a DJ, they had pretty girls just whining and dining the guys to write orders for the stores and things like that. And I'm over, I'm over there, baseball cap, gray hoodie. Yo, like, Hey, let me, come on, like, come on over. Like, let me show you some sick shoes. And I just look wild. I literally, I li- yeah, I literally look like a swap meet table at a amazing trade show that they have like a booth. That's probably $300,000 invested. No, maybe a hundred thousand dollars invested. And I got $1,800 myself, my gray hoodie, a Nike backpack and 30 samples on the table. And life is funny because he was the James Kim was the North uh, Bloomingdale's buying men's buying shoe footwear buying uh, director at the time. I didn't know who he was. I just when you're international, you could tell who's American and who's not American. You you overhear it or you just you know you could get the vibe. So there's like, a certain way they walk and talk and everything exactly like that, yeah. Americans. Yeah. <laughs> you know, right. so bold and. Um, yeah. He was wearing, I think, like either Stan Smith. I think it was like Stan Smith or Jordan ones. But I had made some smart, just being a sneaker aficionado. I was just like, "Yo, man, like, are those?" I knew what they were, but I was like, "Are those uh, 01s or 94s or what era of those Jordan ones are they?" And he's like, oh, "2016 Preds." You know, the sneakerhead talk, right? Of Calling course. out the eras of shoes, and um, he walks over. He's like, "I just remember it so vividly." He's just like, "Bro." Tell me what you got going on here, because it looks crazy. <laughs> and, I'm like, <laughs> and I'm like, all right. Uh, I give him the shame spiel. You know, started my sneaker brand, love sneakers, sold my collection, flew to Italy. He's like, yo, man, that's crazy. Like, but definitely hats to you. And gives me his business card. He's like, yo, if you're in New York in February, love to have you come by the office and talk. And I didn't have no big break or anything. I just got this crazy table. I basically didn't get a single like real business opportunity at that trade show. So I was pretty let down. It's like the last day. And people are usually pretty lax on the lax day. And I just happened to catch him by a conversation starter, breaking the ice and just like having that relentless mentality. Like, yo, just keep going. Just keep saying hi. Just keep introducing yourselves. Be optimistic. And looked at the card and I'm like, Oh shit, that's Bloomingdale's. And you know, and you're like, this might be my big break. Uh, and he's like, are you gonna be in New York in February? Yeah, I got a photo shoot. I've never been in New York at the time. Uh, I don't have a photo shoot actually planned, okay? Uh, <laughs> I'm still just grinding. And so I was like, cool, I'll see you in February. And uh, you know, February comes around. Uh, I took a one-way ticket to New York. I'm like, take, I'm taking extracurricular studies at uh, local community college, just taking more accounting courses, just in case collegium didn't come through, right? Just putting <laughs> eggs in a basket. And uh, that's so great. I'm at a Holiday Inn. I'm eat, just stuffing my face with Fiesta potatoes, a Mexican pizza, and a chicken quesadilla from Taco Bell every day for the week that I'm there for this meeting that wasn't confirmed. I sent emails with no response, but I'm like, I'm going to be there just in case. Like the week that he told me to be there, I'm going to be there just in case. Uh, 
side story. That's the week I meet up with Ray. Ray was just starting a Ray. Ray Maya. He just started YouTube, 300 subscribers. And I was like, yo, your page is dope. Can you help me post on Instagram? And they're like, we're all just starting. So like, just good vibes. Same with you. Just like energies. Like, yo, like, let's link. He comes to the hotel. He's like, bro, what are you doing? You just got freaking Taco Bell and your books playing around. <laughs> I'm like, man, honestly, I know nobody in New York. I'm just studying, oh, waiting for this meeting. Last day comes by. They finally respond like, yo, I'm so sorry. I've been in a bunch of meetings. Are you still in town for your photo shoot? And I was like, yeah, I just finished. I'll be right there. So I grab my duffel bag. This is the call I'm waiting for. And he's like, all right. Yeah, this is a real story. Like, this is like you couldn't make this shit up. So I go to the office and show the collection. The moral of the story was that they were, they were transitioning from common projects. And I had a product in Pillar Low that looked like a common project at the time, better price point. Um, you know, just the same cachet that common products would have in the pitch. And I felt like our product was better. And they were like, look, give you a shot, man. And I was like, let's do it. And so we got into Bloomingdale's. Um, I don't know if you know the nature of wholesale. It's a beast. It's a beast, man. And I'll give you the high level for those of you that want to learn a little bit of when you when you land an account, all your friends, yourself in your head, I made it. I'm gonna be rich. I'm in Bloomingdale's, I'm in a big box door. Like you only dream of going into the mall and seeing your shoes there. That's one element, and that's factual. It's cool, it's a moment, it's full circle. And uh, but it's a beast because you got they place an order about six months in advance, and you gotta front that money to buy that production. And it's tough because they put the order, you buy the production, which is more pairs than you ever bought before in hopes that this will, you know, that order sticks. And there's business terms called net 60. And if you guys don't know what net 60 is, is you don't get your money until 60 days after you deliver, hence net 60. So educational podcast by Drew Joyner and Nick. <laughs> and <laughs> I so, love this though. This is great. So you, you make the shoes, three months go by, you've already paid for it all. And now you got to wait another 60 days. So you're five months out without your money and you're just sweating bullets. Like, am I going to get my money back? And will the shoes sell? And that ties you up a lot. So I was just designing and having things at the time. So I get stuck in this wheel for like two years. So 2018 to 2019 uh, or 2017 to 2019, somewhere in that range. And COVID comes. So this goes into one of your questions that you had asked, like, or you're going to ask, right? And uh, if you don't mind, I'll go straight into how did no, COVID it's good. affect. Please, please. Um, with that came, I grew with Bloomingdale's and I was just, okay, we got, we're a one trick pony, I guess. I don't get to do any of my other silhouettes. And this goes into the evolution of the brand. And we got our biggest collection to date. We were all doors with Bloomingdale's. I think it was like a half million dollar PO. And I'm like, bro, like, let's run it. Let's do it. And uh, I get the call. I get the call. Hey, man, the malls are closing. It's COVID season. We don't know. We can't take this order. Keep in mind, I got I got like 3,500 pairs of sh a shoe with no e-com at the time because I was just focusing on growing Bloomingdale's. It's in front, in front of my house, residential, because I would just – I would slang shoes out the front door to Bloomingdale's, and the driver driver would call me like, is this a residential area? And I'm like – yeah man like they're in the front yard they're on pallets and they're covered with tarps i know that's not the right way to do it but i'll help you load them into the truck like just 
take them, please. Like, I don't have a business doc, you know? And uh, because I would fudge it and put PO box so they wouldn't know that I don't have a business office at the time. And um, he just let me know, like, yeah, they're canceling the orders or not canceling. They just don't know when they could take it. So I'm like, we're done. I got like 20K left in the account. I got 3,000 pairs of shoes that I can't sell because my econ, we were barely moving like two pairs at the time. So um, we had a destroy, we had a pillar high at the time and I've already made like a bread color. And in 2017, I had found this Italian, what they call bicolored sole that looks like the Jordan one sole. And um, I was like, forget it. It's either I quit now or I just spend the rest of the account swing bad against the fences, drop the silhouette I've been wanting to drop because my uniform was always, again, white t-shirt, hoodie, some black 874s and some Jordan 1s. And I was like, you know what? I'll just drop the Destroyer, what came to be the Destroyer. And at the time, vintage dunks were hot. Uh, You know, you talk about it on your uh, YouTube all the time. Vintage dunks were hot. Uh, Neutral gray ones were hot. This is like 2019. That was like everybody and their aunties uh, were rocking them, right? And so I was like, forget it. I really want a pair. I I love the vintage finish. I'm going to drop my version, which is the Destroyer High. And those years leading up to it, of me just DMing and creating relationships kind of like met all at the same time. The new silhouette finally came out because I just said, fuck it. I'm going to use the rest of the money in the account. And if I have literally 150 of these sitting in the account, uh, sitting in my house, it's fine. It'll be that funny story I tell people. I'm wearing the shoes and they'll be like, oh, what are you wearing? I used to have this shoe brand back in the day, man. You know, like, but it's fine because I knew I was going to wear them for the rest of my life. And, um, went you know just did whatever i could went on ig live just selling i was like okay well now i gotta fully focus on ecom and the gram because bloomingdale's just totally said yo go swim in the big waters on your own um and i was like okay this is my last shot went up launched them they sold out and i'm like hmm that's never happened before uh and i was like i didn't think much of it just because i'm like okay I just put whatever he had in the account. They made me buy 1,500 soles. The outsole is the component of a shoe. And I only made 150 because that's all I could afford. That's all the money I had left. And um, yeah, I was like, okay, well, I got 1,350 soles just sitting in the warehouse. Let's, I guess let's just recycle and make some more. I sold that again. And I'm like, oh, I think we might have something here. So I just went to the drawing board. I had all these colorways already mocked up. Obviously, we had some that are inspired by certain colorways and some of my own original colorways and just started launching them and feeding that momentum, doing the corny IG lies where you guys have tuned in on Fridays at five. And uh, yeah, Yeah, but it was like cool because I think I used to always run the brand, like try to be like, oh, I want to be like Louis Vuitton or Gucci where you'll never see Louis Vuitton respond back to an individual customer, right? And um I was like, okay, well, I guess I'm going to do it completely opposite now and just be like Nick, the homie that runs a luxury sneaker brand and that played in our favor because people love just being able to connect and like you said, that community aspect. So now we're at the Destroyer era and it just keeps going. And a lot of people don't realize all that work I put in years before, I have designs just sitting waiting. Like that's why people like don't realize like when you see new stuff from us, like, yeah, like it's always been there. It's just been there. Like sometimes, yeah, it's a little bit reinterpreted from what I designed back in 2018 because of the fact that things change, but it's just like, okay, cool. We can crank this one out, crank that one out. So all that work I put in in the early stages trained us to where we're at today. 
and it just kept going, man. It just kept going for two years. And then we did the destroyer two. And then we started evolving into pop-ups and then we started just growing, I guess, you know, and I always just lean back on, okay, just focusing on community. Like, I just want to, I just want to build a, a, a nice, amazing community of people that have this passion for project products. And if that, if that can exist, it will exist. And I don't know, that's that long winded journey of collegium. No, I love that. That's exactly what I wanted to hear, man, because, well, first and foremost, like Bravo to you. That was, I've never in, in my entire podcast, in the entire hundred and something episodes, I've never had someone as cohesively as, as you've just done talk about their journey for like, I mean, I, I would probably give you 25, 30 minutes of just straight, probably didn't even feel like that for you, of just straight talking about your journey. That's unbelievable, man. Like the the level of- uh, That was 25 minutes? Oh, easily, easily. <laughs> well, first I apologize, but there was actually a lot that no. I thought I left out in there. There's still a lot you more of the story. There's still, I already know, I, I know this conversation could go three hours. I know it could because there is so much nuance in anyone's story. And I know that for you, like, because you are the detail oriented person you are, because there are so many moments that quantify, like, oh, we're almost there and, ah, or problems that you had to overcome. Like, I, I know, bro, I know. Um, and so, like, for me, I want to give you even more props in the sense that, like, anyone who's listening, if this story, like, if if you ever wanted to know what it was, what it means to make it or how to make it, this is this is the story that I would tell you to listen to. You know what I'm saying? Like, because there isn't one thing that you can point to that's like, okay, this is why, right? Or this is what he did. It's a series of all of these moments. And you mentioned this, Nick, like, you know, start your journey, everyone's journey is a little bit different. Because like, there's no way you can be Nick Sissombath and have Collegium in the way that he did it. Like, his connections and, and the things he reached out and, and the location he's in, like, it's just going to look different for you. And I, I like, and, and it's it's so inspiring, bro. Like, there's so many moments where I wanted to, like, just let you know, like, this is fucking insane. This is inspiring, dude. Like, this is inspiring to hear you talk <laughs> about these things. Um, I appreciate and, like, that. For me, like, it's it's a type of thing where, you know, some people aren't inspired by those kind of things. But for me, it's like, bro, you're getting me, like, you're giving me chills and shivers over here hearing that, you know, you're in Italy, Google mapping it, and you're trying to figure out where you're at. And it's like, damn, like, the amount of, like, most people would just, they wouldn't even take the trip. You know what I'm saying? Like, they would just be like, it's not in the cards for me. I'm not doing this. Um, but, like, you obviously had the, the, I would even go beyond passion. Like, it was just, you had the, the drive the discipline and, and all the things that you had like to go out and try to make what you wanted to make happen it's, it's unbelievable dude un freaking believable <laughs> um it, it, yeah i i gotta give you your props now when it comes to i don't even know how i can even ask another question after all that like i could probably go into so many different things yeah, so um, let me know what like, you want to go into. <laughs> I, I completely ruined this podcast by talking about a long-winded story. That's been seven years and 25 minutes. No, it's good. I honestly, that's kind of the, what I wanted to know. And honestly, um, hearing about not everything you said, like, is insightful, right? So I really appreciate it. And the fact that you're coming on here and spending your time to do this is like, I know someone's going to get value out of this. I just I just know it. Um, one of the so. questions I've, I've always had, Nick is 
pillar, 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 pillar. You talked about collegium a little bit and like community and, and where that comes from. Uh, pillar is one of the main like naming conventions for your products. The pillar pants, pillar destroyers, low tops, whatever it may be. Like why is, why is pillar always there in the naming? Yeah, I haven't devised an eloquent way of explaining this you know i'm not going to sugarcoat it but i'll just give you what off the dome of my head what has always been the concept is the brand's always been surrounded for me i always try to when i go back to the drawing board and zoom out it's timelessness right and when i think timelessness for for i guess the origin of the brand which is the naming conventions collegium like i said based in ancient rome i'm like what's the first thing that i think of when i think of ancient rome and I think of those those pillars, you know, those pillars that 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 survive centuries of time, and you know, it's iconic. And for me, I'm like, okay, that's easy. Everything that we make is based off the pillar because everything that I want to make is timeless. It lives in your closet, and you you could wear it ten years from now, and you still think, yeah, it's clean. I'm good. Or you, we see it in our customers. You, we see a father and a son come into our pop up. It's so dope. I think it's named uh, Rakesh. One of the guys and his his pops came in and they're buying stuff. And it's like, wait, so you and your dad both like the shoes because they're time. Like both of you guys can see them in your closets and that like the kid buys the cool hype colorways, the nods to the hype colorways. And the father's like, yeah, just give me the white and navy. I could wear that with my slacks and business casual on Fridays. And I'm like, boom, that's it right there. That's like what I wanted for this brand. I don't care to be the cool guy. I want great product and I want to create things that are timeless. Um, and I guess the short, finally a short answer for me, that's why the pillar exists. <laughs> no, that makes sense. And I don't know if y'all caught, caught that, but Nick knows the name of the customer. Like that's a testament to community once again. You know what I'm saying? Like um, We have I mean, thousands the more you the more you pay attention to people like this and this is why i mean it's no accident someone like nick and i have collided and, and ray and other people have collided is because you know there's you know like minds attract each other and i think that if you're listening to this podcast too like hopefully whether it be me in the future or nick in the future or whatever creative endeavor or maybe you're just listening as a as a consumer of my content or nick or whatever um hopefully that's something that you notice in your life too is like you know, people that are similar attract. I got a couple more collegium questions I want to ask, or I guess one more. Um, and then we'll kind of get into like your life a little bit outside of work. And then we'll kind of wrap it up here. Cause I know we've been going for a bit here. My life just, just I'm, collegium. I'm just kidding. I, I, I know it does. <laughs> I know it does. I, I know it does. Trust me. Yeah. Um, la last collegium question I want to ask you, man. I know there's tons I missed. There's tons. I know. Um, but like, you know, like I mentioned, you're more than just sneakers now, right? And you, and you kind of gave the story of sneakers, but now you're, you are getting more into making boots and you have pants. I wear the pillar pants all the time. And, you know, you have tops and you have all these different items of footwear and, and, and different versions of footwear. How are you kind of deciding or, or, or yeah, how are you kind of deciding what's next for Collegium outside the realm of sneakers? Yeah, definitely. I mean, Again, I wish I had an eloquent answer because I still, you know, quite frankly, we're, I'm so unconventional. I didn't go to a fashion school. I didn't go to, I just purely just drive off of none of us, both of us, we're just going off of feeling like this is where I want to go 
yeah, intuition. This is where I want to go with it. So the way I create stuff or the way I make stuff or the decisions why I make stuff, it's like, yo, I just lean back on, hey, I hope my taste is good enough because it's like, yo, this is what I want to wear next or this is what I'm into right now. This is the cycle that I'm going to. Okay, how do I find myself? And I ask myself, how do I, how do I become part of the rotation? And whether it's a rotation of footwear, like some guys like myself, I'll have a pair of Samba's, Stan Smith, Gazelle's. I'll have a pair of Jordan 1's. I'll have a pair of 990's. I'll have a pair of great loafers. I'll have a pair of great boots. And I have something for every occasion. I think a lot of people build their closets. of like, yo, these are my church shoes. Yo, these are my this shoes. These are my whatever, you know? It's a rotation. And the same for like your rotation in your closet. I have one solid hoodie. Drew only wears Story MFG. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but that's part of his rotation. You know what I mean? It's Low like key. for me, I ask myself, how do I get a part of Drew's rotation? Like what can I create that's like part of his rotation, but also part of mine, right? And I, it's timelessness. Again, it's timelessness. And asking myself, what is in my rotation? I always wear a pair of like square glasses, like wafer style shapes. I always have that type of thing. And for me, since the brand started, like, yo, how do I create my own rotation of collegiate products? And that's, that's where it revolves around. It's like, okay, I want my own things. As selfish as it sounds, like, I want to wear my own shit. And I hope I can create a full every piece I could wear is like, I hope I really enjoy it more than I like anything else. You know, I love it. And that's the way it should be for a brand, right? I mean, you shouldn't be creating, I mean, you can create for the, the consumer customer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For the consumer, you, you can do that. But I think the most uh, intimate brands are derivative. Like they, the, the products comes from the inside of the creatives within that you know, organization and they pull that out and they want to wear it and they want to be a part of it. And that's kind of like, I don't know, you, you can speak with your chest a bit more when it's that versus like something you don't necessarily think you would wear, but you know it would move. Yep, uh, yep. Unit. It's the simplest way. It just feels disingenuous because I have to hop on the lives. So I don't want to be like, oh, yeah, I'm definitely going to wear this crazy ass shit. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not, I just couldn't. I like and you've met me in person. It's like I just try like I just hope and try my best to be as real and as transparent as possible. I don't want to be Nick, the cool guy that's like super mysterious and you don't know, like, you know what I mean? It's like when I first met you, like, Drew, what up, bro? Like, that's, yeah, can I get you a coffee? Can I get you this? Can I get whatever? Like, it's fam, bro, you know? Yeah. So I always appreciated that about you because I think, and that's another conversation for a different day, but I, I really respect people who, you know, they aren't trying to put up a facade. And I just, I, from the very beginning, you were, you were just, uh, non-facade kind of guy so i can't um, stand that the yeah, ig facade yeah, yeah. <laughs> for sure no it's for sure yeah yeah it's for sure man um so i love that dude i love that we kind of got to dissect collegium a bit and, and the story the journey that you gave hopefully like i said if you really listen to that story when people ask me how do i get on how do i make a youtube channel how do i start content how do i start a brand uh you have to understand like like nick said start your journey i i tweeted today run your race it's so true man you, you the beginning of your journey is is going to be specific to you and every um kind of moment within that journey is going to have moments that are just slightly different from other people but there will be a similarity a cadence that's somewhat similar that you can say oh you you had to do it 
go do it like that. Oh, you were on La Brea asking people? Oh, yeah, I was on South Pearl Street. Oh, I, I, I was on 16th Street in Denver. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like that, that, and there will be a kid who's like that. You know what I'm saying? So every, every journey has those kind of moments. Not every, not even every journey. Some journeys have those moments, some don't. Um, it, it's dope to hear you kind of talk about that, Nick. I got three more questions for you, then we'll get out of here. All right, man. You got it. Uh, two, two about cars, and then we'll wrap it up. Cause oh shit, I know you're. I know you're. I know you. You know, I, I, I know this man like cars. <laughs> yeah, I like cars, bro. I like cars for sure. For sure. Talk for to me sure. a little bit about like like. I, we don't have to make this a long one one either. Just real quick. What's your What's your favorite whip? What's your favorite whip? Okay, your favorite so that- car. Man, that's long winded too, bro. <laughs> now, Give me man, your top man. top three. Yeah, that's tough. <laughs> I'll say for um personal, it's yeah, just off the rip. It could be a di- any given day will be a different answer, but personally, for personal reasons, my favorite car is the E36 M3, which is a nineteen ninety-five to two nineteen ninety-nine M3 BMW um and just quick easy reasoning i love yellow so first off they made a yellow one in the 90s um and second off it was one that kept clesium afloat i used to flip these cars and another reason is this is the one that i own today is one that i challenged myself to be a youtube mechanic and said i'm gonna customize and build this one with my two hands and I went as far as ripping out the transmission, swapping it to a transmission that didn't belong in the car, but was an upgrade and just deep dove through forums and things and challenged myself mechanically. So, you know, like I put in my stories, I'm a, you know, collegium guy Monday through Friday and a YouTube mechanic Saturday and Sunday. So you guys will see those stories all the time. Of course. Of course. I feel like you're always working on the cars if you're not, yeah, working on collegium. <laughs> yeah, for sure. For sure. Sometimes too much. <laughs> Sometimes you gotta spend some time with your girl, man. <laughs> exactly. Oh shit, and I got one of those too. <laughs> <laughs> no, I feel you. I feel you. Um, I know you're in California too, man. I wanted to ask you. Uh, for me, like for me, when it comes to cars, I have a, I don't have as, as much of a strong passion as you do, for sure. Um, but I think that you know, when it comes to vehicles and things like that, I'm big on tech, and so. Anytime there's something that involves like tech and lifestyle, like I'm curious about it. And right now, obviously, there's a huge moment for electric vehicles. What is your kind of just like opinion, initial opinion? Because I know in California, there's laws and things about them. And I don't know if you have any thoughts about EVs or anything like that. Yeah, I mean, I have so many thoughts. Um, Me and my lady just got a Tesla 3 for herself. So I'm a, I, I mean, I love the global and you know the i guess the environmental impact that electric cars are about and it's so crazy because the ai that's developed for them is also i have so many friends that work for tesla spacex and you know uh rivian rivian's also another great car i'm like super i've seen the rivian trucks too dude they're insane and insane uh, if you want to know more, hit up ChatGBT to tell you all about it. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, ChatGBT will tell you everything you need to know, boy. <laughs> yeah, man, it's the, it's the Oracle for real. It's the Oracle. Um, but no, Oracle. no, no. All jokes aside, <laughs> electric car is insane. But I will say this from two standpoints: from a environmental standpoint, amazing. Like, yo, keep pushing the envelope. 
from an enthusiast and a vintage lover, I, I don't even know if that's the right terminology. There's something about the analog feel of an old classic car and the sound and the spirited drive, especially in California, driving down the coast, PCH, the one, and just hearing your exhaust roar, the steering wheel, shady, kind of sketchy, shake and feel, the road feel, you know, and uh, shifting through, punching through the gears and just like, you may not be going that fast, but it feels like you're going a million miles per hour. It's late at night. You got a hoodie on, windows down, heaters blasting. You got some sad boy uh, Drake in the back, and you're just you you're on a vibe. Like there's something about that that I could never give up. Uh, uh, maybe one day for you know wherever the vision of cars is moving. But for me, I think that'll always be a a need in my rotation. Like I like to say so much is i love electric cars and i've had them i can't not get over the analog feel of regular cars and uh it's funny because i've always been into cars and you see it so much more and prevalent in fashion in culture it's like everyone wants to have a vintage bmw they want to be frank ocean and have the e30 m3 and, you know, it's like that. And I I don't want to be the snob. Like, oh, you guys are just into it because Frank and Tyler and everybody, you know what I mean? Like, yo, that's totally cool. Everyone gets into something uh, different, from a different uh, outlet. And I uh, don't want to gatekeep. Don't want to be a freaking purist. It's just like, every, I'm happy everyone loves classic cars. And sometimes it's like, it's like for me, the analogy is like thrifted goods for you or going to a vintage store. It's giving life to something that was created a long time ago. And it's a form of recycling, right? I guess in a way. So they have their environmental benefits, but, you know. Uh, no, I think that, you know, the appreciation of it too. Like, it's so, there's so many things that are like that. Cameras are like that. You know what I mean? Like, as, as far as a camera um, can advance from a technological standpoint in 2023, there will always be people who have, you know, those 1960s 70s 50s film cameras where it's like a thing and you gotta like you have to get like this expensive film and it creates the photo that they want and it's everything has that you know what i'm saying so there's a lot of respect to people who like are nerds like it's looking nerdy like you, you i love that. nerd at, yeah exactly it is yeah it's they, just like a it, it's cool though you know at the same time you know what i'm saying sure. like <laughs> they're charging an arm and leg for those contacts cameras bro like a thousand oh, for sure it's insane oh easily a thousand yeah, something that's, um, last question it. for you brother last yes, question sir. let's do it what is what is one piece of advice you would give to either a young artist or business owner trying to make it on their own whether it be with a brand or, or their own business i should have prepared for this question <laughs> it's tough <laughs> i guess this one will just come from the heart man what's one piece of advice for somebody I can't pinpoint one particular advice. For me, it's just been like if you do something, ah, oh, this is corny, but I guess I already lean into it. If you're doing something you love and you really want to do it, go all in. Because like when you start something and you're going to dedicate years, it's just wasted time for you to go half-ass at it you know like just fall in love with it let yourself fall in love with it and 
you'll be like, and not to say me and Drew are at different, are at extraordinary heights, but it's like, you'll forget that you're working. And for Drew, three years will go by. For me, seven years will go by. And I was just DMing with uh, just one of our customers, Ryan, no, not Ryan, Jake. Uh, and he's like, bro, I've been in the accounting and consulting field. I dreamed to be like you. And uh, cause I was complaining, I haven't used my college degree yet, but I forgot that was like almost a decade ago. I round up, but like you fall in love with it and great things happen because you let yourself like, I'm going to give everything I can. And I just won't give up. I accept the fact that I won't give up and I'll just work my hardest and whatever that outcome is, you're going to, you're going to appreciate what the rewards of that is, even if it's not financial, because you're going to look back and like, I did that and got to this mark. And whether financial uh, result came of it, growth, experience, you're just going to enjoy the fruits of that. And it just, I know we get so tied up with money in the rat race. It's, it's not a, like for me, like, I had a pop-up in New York. I don't think we made money because I spent so much. I flew Drew and the lady out and everybody. But I, the, the value was in the wealth of friendships and memories because I got to bring people all across the world together. And, yeah, people bought shoes and products, but I totally forgot about that. I was handing out socks, shoes, coffees, you know, whatever. It was a vibe. I got to do that. So if I walked away from Collegium tomorrow, I knew I gave it my all. I created that experience. And it's legacy. Ah, it's corny as that sounds, but it is a legacy thing, man. It is. No, I don't think it's that corny at all. I, I, I think you're just talking facts, my boy. My boy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's not too corny at all. Um, Nick Sissenbath, man. It's It's been a pleasure to, to chive it up with you for extended amount of time man yeah this i went is, from uh, your webcam was actually daylight and it's now dark in denver <laughs> dark i can't get i can't get up and turn the light on i mean i could but i'll just close close it off <laughs> yeah, yeah no, man. i appreciate you letting me talk your ear off and just having me on this podcast it's dope and you know i always support you and rock with you so likewise right back at you man i'm, I'm gonna be rocking with you for many 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 years so keep doing yes, your thing man. and um this is the first of many conversations that we have recorded like this. I can I can already see it. So Yes, sir. I'm excited, man. Keep doing your thing and uh we'll just keep pushing each other to do better because that's 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 what friends are gonna do. Yes, sir. Yes, sir.